Good morning. This is the weekly wrap for Saturday, September 2nd. Well, starting with the macro picture, we saw a lot of activity by China this week. Uh, various announcements uh, trying to re-stimulate their economy after a very disappointing reopening after COVID lockdowns. Um, we saw the real estate market take a big hit. Uh, huge financial losses with some major um, uh, home builders. Uh, they defaulted on various loans. And so that set the market back here over the last several months. What they announced were um, various uh, programs trying to re-stimulate the economy with things like lowering the rate on home loans. Uh, so they lowered the interest rate on that. They cut reserve requirements at banks, meaning they had uh, freed up more capital to go out and loan into the market. Uh, they expanded tax breaks. And so they're hitting this market with a double-barreled uh, stimulus for the consumer to try to get the economy going. Meanwhile, they have been very active buyers of U.S. grain. Uh, here in the last week or two, they have bought quite a bit of U.S. sorghum uh, and basically have almost cleaned us out. So we're going to be out of sorghum. Um, that's interesting because, you know, out west where we grow most of it in Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas, it is typically when there is no buyer, uh, it's used as a competing feed ingredient against corn in rations out there. And now that is gone and off the market. Uh, typically, too, when China buys up all our sorghum, it will precede uh, large corn purchases. So we'll have to keep an eye on that development. They were very active buyers of U.S. soybeans here this last week with a purchase every single day this week. Um, and so now that their crush margins have turned positive, um, they've been much more active in getting caught up on what have been disappointing sales over the last six months. Heck, they even bought two cargoes of wheat this week. You wouldn't know it by the way the wheat market traded, but they actually bought U.S. wheat. Uh, the Russian confrontation continues to grind on. Uh, Ukraine is striking deeper and deeper into Russian territory. Uh, it's interesting that the Russian media, according to the BBC of London, is refusing to report on these attacks. Uh, the main purpose is, of course, they don't want to scare the people. They don't want the war to be brought home to them, so to speak. And so they're doing their best to underreport it. Putin does not want uh, his authority question or his judgment on the war in Ukraine to be questioned. And so that would, of course, uh, be a, a big concern of his if, if the strikes continue into more metropolitan area and the war got brought home to the people, so to speak. Meanwhile, Russia has continued to extend cuts on their oil production, so living up to their agreement on OPEC, and you've seen the balance sheet on oil continue to tighten. The Federal Reserve, uh, the CPI, bounced a little bit this week from 4 to 4.1 percent. And the PCE jumped from 4.1 to 4.7, um, sort of reiterating its stubbornness and ability to come down. Uh, we also saw uh, the unemployment rate actually rise a bit this week from 3.5 to 3.8%. Again, that's what the Fed wants. They want to soften the consumer. They want to soften the average American uh, and their spending habits to cool inflation. They think that's kind of the final piece of the puzzle. It's sad that their main goal is to increase unemployment. We've talked about that. Um, but in this particular case, there, the data did show that there was a, an increase in workers, new workers entering into the workforce, and that's why the unemployment rate went up. 
they also went and backdated all the uh, the last two months worth of unemployment numbers were way too low, so they adjusted those as well. Typical, you know, government uh, management of data, um, and so the the unemployment rate was never that low to begin with here over the last couple months. The market took all of this data from the Fed as perfect. Uh, in their word, in their belief, it's a Goldilocks economy, uh, purporting more and more likely that we're going to have a soft landing. So un, uh, inflation continues to come down, unemployment going up for the right reasons. And so the market you know, rallied uh, smartly off that news uh, this week. And we've seen the stock market after this correction go on up and, and, and have a pretty good week. The most interesting development probably in the commodity market was crude oil. It did break out uh, to new highs uh, that we have not seen since last November as demand remains very high, record high globally, and OPEC continues to cut as they promised they would. And so, uh, you know, this breakout above $85 a barrel um, is now confirming the idea that we're gonna see 90 by the end of the month and most likely 100 by the end of the year. And so we wanna make sure we have all our fuel needs covered through the end of this year. What did the markets do? Well, corn ended up closing the week down seven cents. The funds added um, 19,000 contracts to their position, reducing their short, and now they're only short 87,000 contracts of corn. Soybeans closed down 18 cents on the week, Funds supposedly added 32,000 contracts, putting them back long 90,000 contracts of soybeans. Wheat closed the market down 26 cents. Funds sold another 14,000, putting them at 94,000 contracts short wheat. Cotton closed up 4 cents for the week. Funds added 11,000 contracts, putting them long uh, a hefty 38,000 contracts. Rice had a very big week. Uh, It was up 53 cents as the uh, banning of exports uh, out of India has taken a hold and really got the rice market uh, pretty nervous. And so, uh, you know, that's a major food stuff. So rice appears to be, uh, the demand globally appears to be headed toward the United States. We should see much, much higher rice prices at some point. Crude oil closed the week up $5.50 a barrel in what can be best described as a breakout to the upside for crude oil. Weather in the United States, um, this much above normal temperatures for the 6 to 10 and 8 to 14 day forecast continues to lock in. Uh, We've seen it now through the second half of August and now leading well into the first two weeks of September. Uh, there is some chance of rain uh, in the western Corn Belt, but the heat and, and, and dryness overall continues to lock in uh, on finishing this crop. There is a map that came out yesterday that I will share in a video when I put it out this weekend showing that the rainfall totals uh, will, are the lowest ever recorded for the last two weeks of August in, in most of the upper Midwest. So it does not purport to uh, uh, lend itself to very good finishing weather for these crops at all. Uh, I think crop losses in corn are going to be far bigger than what the market thinks. We're getting reports of ears dropping, basically cutting off the corn at various stages of production. Milk line, uh, you know, at at a third to a half. 
and and so that's leading to you know any 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 crop that's in that stage of development and drops its ears you're talking about a 10 to 15 percent yield loss on grain fill and um, finishing of the crop and so because the crop is in various stages of development here the ability to calculate these losses is virtually impossible until we get done with harvest so a reiteration of that theme waiting until we get the final yield results in uh, when the pro farmer did their crop tour here um, a couple weeks ago uh, they basically you know admitted that uh, the heat was going to take a toll on the crop at some point with corn probably 80 to 90 percent finished there would be certainly uh, damage there uh, with this heat if it confirmed and it's going to be in the form of yield of final fill and test weight issues uh, with we, with beans though the crop was you know probably only 70 percent finished and so this heat probably has done far greater damage to the soybean crop soybean yield uh, opening the door for incredible volatility at some point we'll talk a little bit more that about that here in a second but uh, if you think about the fact that what we did this year is we had bookend bad weather for the crops we started this may june year um, with very very hot very dry conditions for a good part of the upper midwest we then had more you know seasonable weather for july where we got rains and we had cooler temperatures uh, in through most of july and the early part of august we then finished the crop with again record dryness record heat to finish off the crop so trying to ascertain what the yield is is going to be you know virtually a fool's game at this point we just need to wait for harvest data and the final yield results in january so we have a better understanding of the supply side cotton is not too dissimilar situation uh, you know we, we started out the year very promising actually with all the rains uh, and we actually replaced quite a bit of subsoil out in west texas only to have it completely cut off in early July and not a lick of rain and intense heat that will continue for the next couple weeks. Basically putting the finishing touches on the cotton crop unfortunately out there well into Oklahoma and so it's very possible that the crop at this point is not 14 million bales but probably closer to 13. So for all of the crops across the board unilaterally it doesn't matter what it is corn, beans, wheat, cotton uh, all the supply side of the balance sheet is in free fall and where the market remains uh, concerned is of course on the demand side we've not seen good demand for cotton or corn or wheat but we've seen incredible demand for soybeans so uh, the market has maintained its bearer stance even though we know we've lost the yield but I think once these stimulus packages kick in in China and they have to grapple with their yield losses of their own uh, we're going to see a demand surprise at some point in the fourth quarter. Uh, so for now, what is the, uh, the situation on pricing? I think we have a, a very explosive situation in grains and cotton. Uh, for beans right now, if we have a 49 bushel yield, uh, which isn't too far from where the government is right now, that would put beans somewhere between $15 and $16 a bushel, in my opinion. If for some reason we ended up with a 48 or less yield on nationally on beans you're talking about $16 plus soybeans and and why I, I feel that confident about it is because demand remains very strong we have a, a, a horrible situation in Argentina where they lost their crop their crush is going to collapse uh, the last three four months of the year so starting in November you should see their uh, crush mart their crush capacity collapse bringing again more demand to the U.S. in the fourth quarter and into the first couple months of next year. 
And so I'm, I'm very, very bullish. Soybeans, probably the most bullish commodity uh, out there. For corn, if we have a 170 corn yield, um, that would probably recalibrate corn prices back to that $550, $6 area. If for some reason the final yield is closer to 165, you're probably talking closer to 6, 650 corn. So we're going to have to keep an eye on yields and final yields. Seasonally, we tend to make our lows by the first two weeks of September. So we're getting, we're in the process of grinding out our lows for corn, and we should move higher into the fourth quarter. Cotton, if we do confirm this 13 million bale crop, as I suspect we have, we'll probably end up trading in this 90 cent to $1 range. I know that runs counter to what the merchants believe. They're still very bearish. They, they're, uh, you know, caught in a market where they have very little to no demand, no forward demand. But meanwhile, the speculators are in buying ahead of them. Uh, and I, you know, they're, they're caught in a position where uh, they're bearish because of demand. Uh, the, I think the specs see something else on the supply side and maybe potential demand. The other uh, buyer, you know, the, the mills around the, the world are not heavy buyers. They do not have a lot of cotton forward contracted. So we may, the, in a weird way, the speculators may trap the end user and the merchants on the short side of this thing if they continue to buy. So we'll keep an eye on that development. But for now, I think cotton, in my opinion, is headed to a 90 cent to dollar range, and we will continue to slowly market into that. Added volatility going forward comes from three different sources, uh, crude oil prices. And I think if they continue to move higher here and if we end up hitting our target closer to $100 a barrel by the end of the year, you're talking about uh, added uh, boost in uh, competitive uh, correlations with corn, with ethanol, with soybeans, with renewable diesel, with cotton as it relates to polyester. So don't underestimate the extraordinary power that high crude oil prices have. If you remember back in your memory bank, some of the highest prices we ever got for commodities was when crude oil was making its highs. And, and right now that balance sheet continues to tighten and, and that will work in our favor in commodities in the long run. The geopolitical unrest continues. Uh, we've got Ukraine, uh, the war there uh, that is not resolved and probably going to get more serious and continue to grind on. The market seems pretty well numb to any, any effect on the wheat supplies, and I think they're, they're resting and getting too quiet in their beliefs on that. The new entry into volatility is India. They have uh, tariffed uh, and, and banned exports of rice, of wheat. Um, and they're getting right down the line where they're starting to run extremely short on food-based commodities, wheat and rice, human consumption food, uh, human consumption grains. And that has led to a parabolic move in rice prices in Asia. They're setting 15-year highs right now. And pretty soon that should help uh, the wheat prices as well at some point here. Um, but it, it, this large protectionist move uh, to fight inflation by banning of exports is going to trickle through the world balance sheets, ultimately help commodities. We think China has some major buying to do going forward because of the crop losses they're experiencing. The only thing keeping them out of the market is a weak economy that if this stimulus all kicks in, China too will be in the markets trying to cover some shortfalls of production in their own right. Um, South American weather, 
Um, you know, we, we've got a lot of volatility coming there. The El Nino belief there is that uh, what happened last year will flip, where we lost the Argentina crop, we lost the South uh, Brazil crop. Uh, this year, they're supposed to get better weather, and it's the Northern Brazil crop that we'll lose. And, it's, and that would start with soybeans, and, and that El Nino is deepening and locking in. That weather market will start in earnest in December and flow through into January and February. So that's the final piece of volatility that could change these pricing targets that I'm talking about. But for the moment, those are the ranges that we're working with. Okay, I hope you have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. I appreciate you all. These are my opinions and not those of ADM or ADMIS. Take care.